Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi and welcome to Freedom of Species, where a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan, and Sally finished with the song... My Father's Hand by Broderick Smith's Big Combo. There you go. Make sure you check out Out of the Pan, 12 to 1, every Sunday here on 3CR. Um, check out the past shows via the 3CR website. Look, out, out, look up Out of the Pan on your favourite app. And, yeah, today on the show we are joined by a guest, Lottie. Hey, Lottie. Hi. And we've also got a Freedom of Species presenter. We've got Meg. Who is also a guest today. Hello. Yeah, and I'm Nick. Uh, and, yeah, you can also, if you've got any comments, questions, etc. today, you can text in. We've got the text uh, line up. So 0488-809-855. That number one more time is 488 0488- 809-855. And yeah, today we're on the show we're going to talk a bit about the the social aspects of veganism, which I think are quite a, a big part of it. Um and yeah, quite an important issue which we haven't discussed on the show a lot. So yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about as the main thing. We'll get into other things as well. I thought as a bit of a starting point to get into that, though, um, listeners have probably heard me and Meg's vegan stories on the show before, I would imagine, but maybe Lottie might, might be a good place to start to hear about Lottie's vegan story. Maybe we can take the discussion from there. Um, so, yeah, maybe if Lottie starts off, like how long you've been vegan, why you became vegan and anything along those lines. Yeah, so mm. I've been vegan for about five years um, and I was vegetarian for like eight years before that. Um, so that was when I was 15. I first went vegetarian um, and I guess started thinking about, I think I read a few articles about um, just basically that um, eating meat is worse for, I mean, it's like not good ethically for from the animal's perspective. Um, it's really bad for the environment uh, and also um, it is not great for your health either. So that kind of convinced me at that point. Um, There are a couple of people at school who were vegetarians. So I kind of, um, I remember one of my older brother's friends was vegetarian and I looked up to her a lot. And so I went vegetarian at that age. A couple of years later, I started, I guess, realizing that um, veganism really was the way to go. There wasn't really any justification for eating eggs and dairy um, from the animal ethics perspective, um, even if your view is just that animals dying is bad, animals die in the dairy and egg industries. Um, since then, I think my views have developed more that it's not just about death, it's also about commodifying animals. Um, but I guess it took me, I don't know, that was between when I was like 18 and 22, um, I still stayed vegetarian, but I think I was a little bit more apolitical just as I was kind of, you know, figuring out who I was and, um, yeah, like leaving home for the first time, going to uni, meeting new friends. I I wasn't like as like super politically engaged at that point. So it took, um, I guess, a few years. um, And when I started meeting a couple of vegans that I thought, again, oh, yeah, I really should be vegan. There's really no reason not to be. Um, both times when I went vegetarian, when I went vegan, I kind of eased into it. Um, and I guess didn't, didn't see it as like a, if I fail immediately, then I can't do it kind of thing. So it took me a few months to kind of, um, yeah, kind of 
do it solidly, but I actually found going vegan quite easy. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that sort of idea of like role models or, or social support in turn is really important. I remember first, I think go vegetarian, like yourself back in the day before veganism, you'd read like, um, Peter stuff where it's like this celebrity is vegan and it didn't really connect with me. It was only actually meeting other vegans in person, seeing a real life, actual vegan where I was like, yeah, I, I can do that too. And kind of moved on from that phase of like, I'm vegetarian. I kind of see why I should go vegan to go, no, I'm actually going to do this. Was that the case for you, Meg? Or were you the first? first one in your sort of social circle to oh, become vegan. Um, I, so I've been vegan for over a quarter of a century now, so it was very, <laughs> very different back then. Um, I, I, I hadn't met a vegan. In fact, uh, the first time I met a vegan uh, when I was drunk and dressed as Xena at a fancy dress ball. And would you believe the first vegan I met was a lifelong vegan back then um, who he, his uh, parents had founded the Vegan Society here in Australia. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, and that was quite, like, that was mind-blowing. Um, I was definitely the first uh, in my group. Um, and I, I spent a couple of years as a vegetarian, and I often wonder how long it would have taken me if I'd known another vegetarian, a uh, vegan, known another vegan, and if I had more of the choice that we have these days. I don't think it would have taken me as long, and I do think that the social aspect was very, uh, uh, it was a big factor in me uh delaying going vegan and and really I also had to find out what veganism was because back in those days there wasn't like the the internet wasn't really as big a thing um it it was there's this there's this whole thing um there's this saying uh it's first they ignore you then they laugh at you then they fight you then they win way back then they ignored us we were too weird Mm. vegetarian was barely something they could grasp so veganism was just way too far down the spectrum of weirdness um and when I went, and he, just to bring it to the social aspect, when I went vegan, um, I was surrounded by vegetarians at the time. And for some reason, that was quite challenging for them. It was, it was quite an affront uh, to their judgment of, of being vegan, even though I hadn't framed it that way, because I'd always sort of started questioning and, and going further down that path. And probably the most defensive people I met uh, were my friends who were vegetarian. The, the, the non-vegetarian people were like, oh, yeah, that's just Megan. She's weird, whatever. <laughs> um, and it was challenging, that social thing of being around my peers who thought I was being too extreme, I was just taking it too far, um, was quite um, – it was a little bit demoralising because I was quite young. I hadn't formed my philosophies as well and I hadn't formed my sense of self as well as I have now as an older woman. And I think that really, really affects you when you are younger, more impressionable, you want to fit in and you maybe haven't developed your philosophies as much Mm. as well. And that really affects the social nature of it all. Mm. Yeah. And I would argue, and obviously it's, it's different for each individual. And I'm here in the, one of the most vegan friendly cities in the world, like in one of the vegan friendly parts within that city. So of course, you know, practically it's easier for me than a lot of people who might be living in rural areas and those kind of things. But I would speculate or hypothesize that overall the problems with veganism or difficulties are probably more like social than practical. Again, depends on the individual. Absolutely. But um, but yeah, I, I do think that is possibly which I think it's why it's important to cover. But I guess in terms of the more practical side, Lottie, in the sort of what is it five or so years, but perhaps even sort of six, seven in terms of thinking about veganism, have you noticed that more practical shift in terms of vegan products around and that kind of thing, and sort of more normalization of veganism um yeah i think it it, yeah in some ways like some in in other ways sometimes i get really frustrated like how how are so many people still not on board yet um but i think there's been a a bit of a shift like um yeah i mean i i remember when i when i first went vegetarian about 13 years ago um some people at school were like oh you know you've you've gone vegetarian that's fine but like promise you'll never go vegan and I was like ha 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 yeah don't worry <laughs> that's too uh, extreme I, I, I've had someone say this to me as well um, yeah, like, congratulations on going vegetarian but yeah. make sure you don't go yeah. vegan like, that's too far <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. um I don't I think these days there's fewer people um you know at least um you know at least you know in in the cities that that I've lived in and been to, um, that pr- people are pretty much aware of veganism, um, I guess, accepting 
more accepting of it maybe like they're less likely to challenge it at least people that I deal with like face to face um but they don't they still don't necessarily fully respect it if that makes sense Mm. like they won't they won't necessarily question anymore like oh but like why are you vegan that's um what's the point of that kind of thing but then you know if I'm around people who aren't vegan and we're making meals together they still won't necessarily like fully consider like oh yeah we we need to make the food vegan for you mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and I, I wanted to also just touch a bit on like I guess in a way critiques of vegan stories I mean this isn't what the whole show is about just more just a starting point but I do remember Harley who's been a regular Foz contributor for a long time um was talking about she's sick of telling her vegan story because it's kind of about like humans like if that if that our stories rather than animals um but i do think like and i think there's already come up that i think we can overcome that to a degree by bringing it back to being about animals but um yeah how, how do you feel about that um yeah that I, I guess i'd say today as well in terms of the social aspects of veganism like it definitely is about animals but at the same time we all as humans as human vegans have to interact in our society so i think it's important to address but i remember we did a show a while ago with harley um meg uh or quite a few years ago now but about like centering animals but how do you feel that i guess of like the yeah vegans versus animals and and that kind of whole distinction uh, I want to make it crystal clear that mm. humans are animals. Mm-hmm. So we actually, and this whole thing of um, separating animals from humans, mm. whilst it is good in one aspect, it's actually not good in another practical aspect because it really does bring a divide between the animal kingdom and humans and it sets us apart. And what I personally want to do and through my activism is I want to show people that humans are animals. And so talking about this stuff is actually talking about animals. Mm -hmm. And it's not only talking about a certain animal, it's talking about how a certain animal can be kinder to all of the other animals in on the planet. Um, I don't think this is separate. I don't see the separation. Um, There are obviously some key differences between uh, the non-human animals and human animals and and our dominion over uh, the non-human animal kingdom. But talking about this is it's an integral part of the movement. And if we don't talk about it and if we don't have these conversations and if we literally only center the animals, we lose a whole bunch of people that we could actually bring into the compassion fold. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important um, I mean, I've been having these conversations for so many decades, um, even when I was back when I was a vegetarian, um, even back before then when I was a teenager, when I was already starting to get, you know, as you were, Lottie, starting to think about that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, you, you'll have these conversations and you'll have conversations with humans and the humans are the ones we have to change. Mm-hmm. So talking about this is probably one of the most important things that we can do to to show people that it's possible and that you will be welcomed, there will be difficulties, there will be judgment, but if you walk on your path of truth and compassion, you'll find your own place and you'll bring others with you. Yeah, Yeah, and I think another way of sort of framing it in in terms of like bringing it back to the animals is talking about your veganism as a social justice issue Yes, um, and rather than just a consumer choice or, you know, something that may benefit your health and that kind of thing and like health, like, you know, vegans care more or less about their health, but for me, veganism is totally separate to health. Like I care about my health separate to my, my veganism, which is around, you know, around social justice. And I guess along those lines, Audie, I believe you, like veganism was kind of your path into other social justice issues. Is that right? Because some people, call, I, I sort of more went the other way of coming from a more like human-centered environmental and then sort of animals came last for me. But I think you were maybe a bit like veganism first a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I... So, yeah, vegetarianism definitely first. So thinking about animals in that perspective, um, kind of parallel, like separate to that, um, I kind of came into like discovered feminism in my early 20s and then I think it was after I went vegan um, um, I started – well, I actually discovered your podcast, Nick. Yeah, I, did, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> wow. So, did Nick have a hand in your kind of journey at all? I like, think, yeah, definitely. So, I'd already oh, gone vegan, okay. but um, so I'd gone vegan. I had, um, I was a feminist and was learning more about feminism. I was first just starting to think more about um, intersectional feminism and trying to expand um, the kinds of um, politics that I was 
hearing about and then I heard Progressive Podcast Australia um, and thought, okay, these people, these people are vegan, these people are feminist and anti-racist, they have all the same values as me and they're also anarchist as well. And I'd always been led to believe that, you know, like, oh, extreme left is just as bad as extreme right blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, but I was like, I was listening to you and Katie and I was thinking these are people whose, whose values match mine, like more than anyone I've ever met. So like how it's not necessarily true then that they, that they're, they're not necessarily wrong about, um, about leftism being the way to go. And so then that kind of spiraled into listening to a lot of other podcasts Mm -hmm. that, that had, um, were, yeah, from like a vegan leftist, um, perspective yeah yeah and i think there is that and i guess that is in a way not not like our goal of the podcast but i guess covering so many different issues with veganism being in there somewhere of like hopefully you know some person might be interested in anti-racism but then think about veganism or might be listening because we cover anti-racism or other way around sorry they're interested because we're veganism and then discover anti-racism i always like i I remember back in the days, Paul talked to a podcast, listened to a podcast called the Angry Hippies podcast. He's, he's not, um, that podcast doesn't run anymore, but he was very much someone who started off with veganism and that kind of opened his mind up to everything. Yeah, whether it is capitalism, feminism, um, social justice issues generally. Um, and yeah, I, I'm always like, I always think that's such a positive thing that like vegan can kind of be a starting point to question everything around you. Um, but I feel like some people who discover veganism first are therefore not learning about the other issues and they go all the other issues they can't be as bad as as animal exploitation because that is correctly so horrible and therefore the other issues are a distraction or not as important that kind of thing um yeah i don't really have a question there but meg i know you're very much in in that sort of social justice like you know potentially human centered in, in some cases like um yeah, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I guess there is that vegans. Like, yeah, I, I just wish it would be a starting point rather than an end point, I guess, veganism. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think the, gr- the best starting point for anyone, um, you know, any young person is to question anything, question everything, mm. uh, question authority, question everything that you've been told. Um, obviously, don't just randomly question, just, you know, systematically question the things that you've been told and analyse them. From the point of view of maybe they're wrong, let's go and check the evidence. Let's go and look at the stories and the anecdote and the case studies of, of these surrounding issues. Um, I came from a an environment and human perspective, so it was more of a social justice thing. But this was I was very young um, and it wasn't as formed as it is now. Then I went into, after I became vegan, the animal aspect of it and quite delved quite deeply into that. And then uh, I started doing activism here in Melbourne and met socialists and realized that you know I was a socialist and I think that as an intersectional intersectional activist like I am um, all struggles and all oppressions are related and I think um, we're probably all in the same boat on the same boat with this Um, all oppression is interrelated and a lot of it can be brought back to various things you know feminism and um, oppression of women oppression of workers oppression of animals etc and if we can start to question why we have these barriers between all of these different issues we can start to question if those issues are in fact part of the wider problem that we have in our society the structure of our society the structure of power structures within that society etc yeah, absolutely. And uh, a song along those lines, a band called Propagandy, who are really influential in me, like not just becoming vegan, but also, yeah, opening my eyes to just so many other issues. Uh, I'm going to play a song from them. This is called Apparently I'm a PC Fascist because I care about both human and non-human animals. Um, I do have to give a... What a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the lyrics kind of uh, reminds me of something Lottie said earlier because one of the lyrics is, some of my otherwise brilliant and productive friends ignore the issue and the relation between our consumption and brutality so that idea of people are oh, we're, we're, i think we're on the same page but then you're kind of ignoring the the animal issues so that's what this song is all about i do have to mention it does contain some swearing and some heavy themes um including sexual assault so i just want to give a heads up about that um but yeah here is some propaganda here's some songs for anybody who's ever been shit on for caring about animals Friends 
Consider someone else. Stop consuming animals. In Rasavin Manasile, Isai Nyani Ilerajavin Isai Kondatam. Celebrating the wondrous music of. Mastro Ilya Raja on 3CR every Friday 8 to 9 p.m. Starting 26th of May. Welcome back to 3CR. Um, we're Freedom of Species. And yeah, today we're talking primarily about the social aspects of veganism. And I guess to sort of frame the discussion a little bit, I remember or recently hearing about someone who is a vegan but doesn't want anyone to know that. Right, So I guess the ethics are vegan, but for whatever reason, perhaps due to these social difficulties, it's easier to like, they'd rather not anyone know about it. And not at all to shame people like that. Obviously, you have to try and make veganism more accepted. So that's like less of a, a thing people do. But I guess that person is, you know, they're still contributing to an economic boycott of those industries, which you know has some kind of impact amongst many other complicated factors in the economy. Um, but I would argue, and I think this speaks to our opening discussion, that uh, yeah, perhaps even a more important part of veganism is being that person. Oh, that person's vegan and they can do it. Maybe I can do it too. So by, you know, by totally keeping quiet about it and never, no one ever finding out you're vegan, um, you're taking away from like sort of half of the potential of veganism. You're just doing the boycott, but you're not sort of being that example in the world that others can go, oh, they can do it. Maybe I can do it too. Um, so yeah, I'm going to hand over to Lottie to start off with about yeah, how you navigate this in different situations of wanting to spread the word, but also, yeah, it can be it can be difficult to sort of go against the grain and be the only one doing something different too. Yeah, well, I would wonder to what extent that person sees veganism as like, oh, well, this is just my individual choice and people get to make their own choices. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's not their perspective, but they just find it really difficult the the social side of things and and I you know I can relate to that I think I've gone through um different um different levels to which I am vocal about it um or feel like it's easier not to talk about it um or feel like uh you know I I don't really care so much what other people think if they're judging me or they're feeling judged um it's it's important that that people know about it, um, you know, to within reason and, and still being, you know, like compassionate and a, a strategic activist. Um, but I guess it um, it reminded me of um, I'm I'm taking a year off drinking currently, and I, I read this book about um, called High Sobriety um, about a health reporter who took a year off drinking, um, and at one point. Um, you know, so she was she was talking quite a lot about the various um, times where she felt um, not not just that she was feeling judged, but she felt like the people around her were feeling judged by her not drinking. Um, but then she said, like, oh, but like, why would why would they think that um, me having me d- choosing not to drink isn't reflecting on on their choices just as much as a vegetarian's choice doesn't reflect on anyone else's choices? And I was thinking, okay, hang on, like, I think well, I think there are um, certain you know ethical issues in terms of the way that alcohol is like advertised and things like that. But overall. 
Um, I think it is more of um, more of an individual choice and it's a little bit, um, for me personally at the moment, like health motivated and um, kind of socially motivated. So, but, so it's a very different thing to, to being vegan. Um, whereas I think that not that every vegan or vegetarian is judging everyone else, but it's not just an individual choice of, oh, well, I'm, I'm making my own decisions. It has like no impact, um, from my perspective, whether other people are vegan or vegetarian. And in fact, coming back to centering the animals, it, it's really not up for me personally to say whether it's okay for other people to eat meat or, or not. Um, it's, it's, it's not about us. It's about the animals and the better choice is that animals are not exploited the way that they are. Um, so yeah, I think, um, it was, it was interesting that, she was speaking for vegetarians and, you know, obviously vegans within that, um, just making the assumption that, that it's, um, it's just an individual choice and, um, people don't worry, you don't need to, to feel judged. And I don't think people should feel judged, but they should maybe self-reflect on when they meet other vegans and vegetarians. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people don't understand that political dimension. I think like yeah. some people might view it as kind of lo- like on the level of like I prefer apples and this other person prefer oranges, so therefore I want to convince everyone who prefers yeah. the taste of oranges to eat apples because that's my preference, and I want to enforce that preference on other. Yeah, or you else. have <laughs> you have a gluten allergy? I don't, so like yeah, I don't yeah. need to give up gluten. Yeah, yeah, you'll choose your thing. I'll choose mine. Kind of that thing, which, as you mentioned, totally leaves out the animals, and, and that came up in the Dominion speeches we played on a recent show as well. Um, yeah, what what about yourself, Meg? How do you navigate that of being, I guess, like a, a political vegan not just i, I yeah. guess i would call like a consumer choice vegan and someone even like pro vegans like someone's getting stuck into vegans like, no it's all fine like they're doing their thing we're doing our thing and that's fine it's while while you don't want to be like you know no but kind of like yes mm. no like it's not just we're all doing a different thing and all the decisions are equal um because there's someone else in the equation but yeah how do you navigate that um the first thing i want to say is that the person that you mentioned that didn't want anyone else to know that they're vegan as weird as that might seem to those of us who want to uh, progress the movement and, you know, obviously uh, progress the philosophy of veganism and the non-usage of animals, um, coming from um, an activist point of view, um, I'm well aware that different people are in different capacities, different levels of um mental capacity to they might be very anxious and very non-confrontational and it it, it involves extreme anxiety to to come into confrontation with people they might also be around um you know people and families and a a, a different type of of culture within like this even this city uh that is very anti-vegan or um a certain socioeconomic um you know area that says, well, veganism is for white elites or something like that. Um, So even though I would say, look, that's not me, um, I would always be wary of of saying to that person, oh, you really should talk up. You really, Mm -hmm. because we don't know the situation Mm -hmm. they're in. And and that's part of a class-based analysis that I come from. I don't know that person's background. I don't know that person's financial, educational, um, you know, whether they're safe in their family and they're safe to express opinions, et cetera. So I always take that stuff into account and I'm always as non-judgmental as I can from that perspective. And also from the this perspective of compassion, um, I want to be compassionate to humans as well. Uh, humans are animals, but also humans are my species and the people I, I talk and communicate with and I like. Um, but coming back to that sort of social aspect of it, um, I, I identify with that person because I, it doesn't come through a lot, but I actually have quite a, a lot of anxiety, uh, around things. Like when I come into this, this studio, you have no idea how anxious I am every single time I come into this studio mm. and how anxious making that is. Um, when I was first a vegan, uh, and, and the, I've always been the odd duck. Like I've always thought things that are different to people and people have always gone, ah, oh, that's just Megan. She's weird. Um, but when it comes to fighting for others that don't have a voice, and that doesn't just include animals, that includes people who can't speak up for themselves for various reasons, um, I've always, always been quite fierce and um, I have to set my anxiety aside and I have to start speaking up. When I first started speaking up uh, in a social situation, especially my family, um, there were certain elements of my family that were 
Well, firstly, they ignored my weirdness, but then I, they really started to deride me viciously. I would have stakes waved in my face at family events. Uh, this was one side of the family. Another mm. side of the family was fine. Um, it wasn't funny. It wasn't nice at all, as you can imagine. Uh, it was quite anxious-making because I'm a, like I have always been a people pleaser. I like to, you know, make people feel at home and at ease. And I had to put my foot down and say, this is not on. If I was trying to be kind in any other way, you would not do this. But because you don't think the way I do, you feel it's okay to make fun of me for this sort of thing. How dare you make some fun of someone who is trying to advocate for kindness and compassion? Do you understand what you're doing? Um, and from that point on, I realized that as uncomfortable as it is for me, and it is quite uncomfortable to come across people who are anti-vegan and as you know, Nick, um, in the circles that I, I have, you know, been in in activist circles, um, I could tell you some pretty awful situations, but um, they, some of them are quite anti-vegan mm. uh, because they see it as, as an elitist white people's movement that is not about oppression at all and therefore mm. they do not understand it. So I have to be that voice and I have to stand up for it and I will stand up with compassion and kindness and understanding for all of the aspects of it, but I will not shut up. <laughs> I won't and if that is going to be a problem even if I'm doing it respectfully then maybe we need to part ways um, and I am a kind and and you know the sort of person that puts people at ease but if you are going to be you know anti-vegan or if you're going to be anti-trans anti-homophobic misogynist sexist etc I will talk to you about it mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and there's an article linked in the notes which kind of explores that. It's called "The Festive Table Is Set." Is now a good time to mention I'm vegan by Zoya Patel on the Guardian, and yeah, that they mentioned that. Like, I guess you mentioned like whether we speak up or not, but sometimes even keeping quiet can be seen as speaking up, I guess. Or I guess yeah. maybe not even be seen, maybe actually is speaking up, even if we're not vocal about it, just by being vegan. Or similar. I guess in a little bit similar, mm -hmm. I definitely see that distinction you make in terms of not, not drinking. It's not the same thing. There's not that same political uh, angle to it. Um, but I guess some people feel if others are not drinking, they feel more self-conscious about drinking or something. Mm -hmm. But there's some parallels too, but without even saying anything, but, yeah, there's the idea of like you're expressing a different ethical view, even again before you speak, before you say anything, even if you don't want to say anything, um, that is in contrast those who are vegan. Um, so it makes non-vegans reflect upon their own ethical views and wonder if they are somehow ethically wrong, uh, which again I think is a lot of the potential of veganism, uh, but it can trigger things like defensiveness, which is where mm. it kind of comes in. Um, and I thought this was kind of interesting um, in the article, they mentioned the Ethics Centre, and the Ethics Centre runs EthiCall, a free ethics helpline that provides guidance to people facing this sort of conundrum like they spoke about in the article in terms of uh, being vegan at a, uh, at a Christmas dinner with non-vegans. And it kind of sounds like, in a way, like, oh, like almost like trivial but i think that is really an important thing in terms of there is like the ethical choice and i feel like we have as a society moved in the direction of veganism is a positive thing on a side note i don't know if either of you heard about aubrey plaza doing a pro pro, oh, yeah, pro I cows just, yes, milk ad. i thought maybe we could talk about that oh yeah. we sure <laughs> we definitely should talk about that for I, sure. I, I feel like for me as a kid doing a pro cows milk ad would not have been anything controversial so i feel like we have like moved as a society in a pro-vegan direction um, but it is still going against the grain so I, I feel like that is a, perhaps the reason why overall we do have sort of more pro-vegan attitudes still it's quite a small minority who are vegan and I think it does go back to the idea of not wanting to rock the boat and so on mm. paper ethically our oh, veganism makes sense but then these complicated issues of dealing with family dealing with friends that kind of thing um, do you want to mention the, the Aubrey Plaza thing though about the <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah. Should we should we go into that now? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, basically, Aubrey Plaza um, was in a commercial um, from a commercial funded by Big Milk um, in the US, um, Big Dairy, um, uh, uh, promoting like satirically promoting wood milk made from wood, uh, and then at the end of the um, commercial. And she's like drinking it, and it's like sludgy and gray. And she, at the end, she's like, Is wood milk real? No, of course not. Only real milk is real milk, or something like that. <laughs> um, 
And obviously, as vegans, we all think that's a terrible take. But I was just really pleasantly surprised at how much uh, flack she got for Blown away. Um, So basically on her Instagram, she posted the video and then turned off comments of that post because there was so much hate. But then I went to the next post uh, that she posted afterwards. Every comment was people criticizing her for the for the ad um and all of those comments had hundreds of likes obviously there were a few that were like oh get a life we don't care about you kind of thing but um yeah basically every Mm. uh highly liked comment was um was saying like you know why would you do that why would you promote dairy and why would you make fun of people just who were trying to make the kind of choices um and there were people who were there was a it seemed like a real variety and i'm sure lots of vegans were making those comments but from from the amount of them i assume actually not all of them wasn't just the vegans and yeah yeah, there were people coming at it from the animal perspective lots of people also just saying like um we're in an environmental crisis like why would you be promoting dairy at a time like this and making fun of people who are just trying to avoid it yeah um i have a bit to say about this if that's okay um so firstly um it was it was a spoof as you said of like wood milk from wood and everything um now if it had come from say like a saturday night live spoof people would have laughed at it it would have been fine Mm. like even the vegans would laugh at like haha yeah whatever but um, it was an actual dairy-funded ad. Mm. Now, um, Aubrey Plaza plays in um, Parks and Recreation quite an anti-establishment character mm. called April. Mm. And one of the, I think one of the objections of her ad was that, okay, so she – and Aubrey Plaza herself has constructed this kind of anti-establishment, I'll do what I want kind of um, thing. So her doing that and being paid and bought by the dairy industry was so anti the character of Aubrey Plaza, anti the character of April. It was so out of character and people thought that she was quite a sellout as well. And I think it was – so there was questioning and critique from that point of view, but there was also questioning and critique of like, well, you know, I saw on Reddit um, quite a lot of criticism of it. And people were like, well, I'm not vegan and I drink dairy, but that just was really in poor taste. Like why Mm. would you do that? Mm. And, you know, like what is wrong with if you want to drink almond milk or soy milk? And also people are like, okay, if you think that dairy is so great, why don't you talk about the benefits of it rather than dissing the competitor? Like doesn't that smack of desperation? And it certainly does. (laughs) It totally (laughs) smacks of desperation. So, um, you know, from the social aspect, if that had come out, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the social aspect of people like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, you know, plant milks are weird. I totally get it all, bro, no worries. But the, the social aspect of it has changed to the point where we now have people who have never been vegan before criticizing a, a dairy ad that criticizes their competitor. And that's a huge, huge change. It's a mm. fundamental change. And Aubrey made a strategic mistake in the character of Aubrey progression to do that ad, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was interesting to see. I looked at a few articles, like there was plant-based news and obviously like our take, <laughs> you know, our like a vegan yeah. take, but yeah. on Business Insider was another one that was really critical of the ad. So mm. it really feels yeah. like there's been that shift and I think it's just a reaction to the dairy industry like losing its hegemony, the idea in the past you didn't choose whether you were having cow's milk or no. not, you just had milk and now all of a sudden – Still, people are consuming cow's milk, but it's like, do I have cow's milk? Do I have, have almond milk? Do mm. I have you know, oat, whatever? And the dairy industry is really threatened by that. And they've tried the legal route in terms of, you have to call it almond juice. They've tried bush and yeah. they're trying the sort of social route on this Oh, I actually had to point out that ad is actually in um, direct response to the fact that they lost that, uh, that court case about okay. calling almond milk and coconut milk mm. milk. They mm-hmm. lost that. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to have to try and they to socially to it. Yeah. make it like less less <laughs> it palatable. Smacked of desperation. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We, we're going to play a song now, which is a little bit tongue in cheek. It's sort of uh, around social aspects. So, it's, uh, "Happy Loner" by Marina. So, I guess this is one way to deal with the social aspect. Perhaps <laughs> I've gone down this road of not dealing with people, and that's one way to get around it. <laughs> it's definitely not the only way, though. But uh, yeah, we'll play a bit of Marina and back in a few minutes. My thoughts escalated When I'm alone Things are under control When I'm alone I can turn off the world I try to escape But I can't lose my mind 
the splendor of Ripponley Estates Gardens at the Botanica Festival featuring an open-air market, plant and garden book sale as well as freshly baked scones with jam and cream. Join a garden tour, visit the mansion or enjoy the various displays. Botanica is made possible by the city of Glen Ira. The Botanica Festival on Mother's Day, Sunday May the 14th between 10am and 3pm. For more information, go to ripponlee.com.au. Ripponlee Estate is owned and managed by the National Trust of Victoria, a 3CR supporter. Hi, I'm Nate Byrne, your friendly neighbourhood weather presenter. Hoping you're having a fine day. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. Today on the show we're talking about the social aspects of veganism. And yeah, we're going to go in a, a little bit of a different direction now, a specific direction. We're going to try and broaden it out though as well. But um, me and Lottie are both huge fans of the sketch comedy show, I Think You Should Leave. Um, and yeah, I'm actually after this show going to the framers to get some posters framed from that show. Actually, <laughs> wow, you really, you really are a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Um, but yeah, so it's a sketch comedy show. Um, we both really like, and I, I guess it's just something I've thought about. Yeah, again, to sort of broaden it out of thinking about like engaging with a non-vegan world in terms of like sketches that you like and things like that. Like they're not going to be vegan, right? And sort of how do you engage with that? Um, and yeah, so one of uh, both me and Lottie's favourite sketches from that show has um, is a sketch around um, sloppy steaks of pouring water over a steak. Um, am I? What's that? Oh, I don't you're on. You're, yep, yep, oh, okay. yep, 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 yep. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. So thanks, thanks. For me, no, yeah, I did have the wrong one. Wow, yep, yep, who's Mike, the so, tech? Yeah, yeah. Yes, thanks, Go for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could just put them all on then. But anyway, um, but yeah, there's, there's so yeah, um, there's a show, there's a sketch around um, sloppy steaks, which was um, 
I believe because we again rank the sketches and all this, but I think it was our, our number one sketch. It's pretty serious. Combined. I'm really on the outer yeah. here. I'm just going to yeah. listen. Yeah. We've got to give you some background listening on yes. the yeah. next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was our combined favourite sketch from the latest series. Mm. Um, but like, obviously, it's not. Yeah, it's not a very vegan sketch, I guess. <laughs> and so, but I've like when I'm watching shows, like I realize really non-vegan was. I'm not kind of surprised when I see something that's not vegan. But having said that, on social media, the way to signify you and I think should leave fan is to have like a steak and a glass of water, which mm-hmm. is a reference that show. And I feel like that's just a step too far. Even though I really like the sketch, I'm like, oh, I can't quite have a steak in my picture as a vegan and sort of engage with this another time, sort of on the flip side um a podcast i like called freedom um which is just comedians who who aren't vegan but did a whole thing about taste testing m&ms which are not vegan uh and i really like the thing even though it's like it's just i guess you have to kind of put it one side i guess in a way like when you're engaging the world because if you're out outraged every time you see people not being vegan it's like most people are not vegan um so whether it is related to i think should leave or more generally particularly for meg um like how do you engage this thing of like yeah the world isn't vegan, um, but you're still got to engage with TV shows and just the world around us, which is not vegan. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I was thinking about it the other day because um, I, I listened to a couple episodes of um, a podcast by James Acaster, one oh, of nice. my yep. favorite comedians, yep. um, and Ed Gamble, and they have a podcast where they bring on a guest to talk about their like dream menu in a restaurant. So it's like, mm. it's all about food. Um, and you know, they're all comedians. So I mainly like it cause it's funny. Like I'm, mm. I'm not so much of a foodie and if I am, it's within like the vegan world. So the reason I, I like it is, is the comedic aspect, but there is a lot of talk about non-vegan food most mm. of the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I guess, um, I guess sometimes it, it bothers me a little bit. It kind, it kind of just depends, I suppose. Um, I think it's true that like what you said that, um, you know, we are used to living in a non-vegan world. So I don't, if I find myself being upset, I think that's okay. But I also, I don't stop myself from enjoying things that are, non-vegan if they're just like fun or funny um because I don't think um you know unless unless I think it's there's like a a stronger kind of like political message that I don't agree with that I don't think there's a reason to boycott that kind of content and it it maybe just gives you a bit of a like starting point to to like think about think about things further like the other day I was I was thinking well what if I was on the show what would my dream menu be and it would all be vegan obviously but maybe it would be like dream food items that aren't veganized yet that like that I would really love to see like being vegan so yeah I don't know I think that's how I usually think about it yeah, yeah, and it did come up on um, that's a chunky podcast, which is I think should leave podcast, which me and Lottie have both been on. But um, like they were talking about, they did like a sloppy steak night, like sort of based around that sketch. But they were like, oh, we've got a drinks thing before for like vegetarians, so like that's so what kind of like made it kind of more front and center oh, for me okay. that this isn't like a, a vegan or a vegetarian thing as well. But um, we did have a, a guest on the show, um, mini quite a while ago, but a friend, Mark Allen, talking about like holistic activism and this idea of like acceptance in terms of not that you accept that the world is not vegan but you can't and, and he was talking more about climate change as well but you can't go around and go oh my god like they're not vegan it's like of course that's the case and mm-hmm. you would kind of like mm-hmm. accept it but also try and change it like accept that not that it's okay but just like that is the reality right now yeah and um, maybe celebrate and elevate people that are vegan and mm-hmm. and that also kind of um we do, i don't think we want to buy into celebrity culture too much but you know if there's someone we like that that is vegan and 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 does have good messaging then we can just elevate that a little bit more and celebrate Mm. it more yeah any thoughts on that meg not not, i think should leave specific but just engaging with like pop culture and the world around you which is not vegan um so i i've sort of been walking around the world as a vegan and a non-vegan world for so long it's just it's a part of me and again because i don't have those walls between all of the things that i think about and believe that the world doesn't believe it's just kind of the same thing. Um, but I think, I think also as a new vegan, when you realize the horror, 
uh, and you are outraged at these things, mm. I think you can suffer outrage exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't do anyone, doesn't do us, doesn't do the animals any good. Um, and so taking the idea that you walk around as a vegan in a non-vegan world and you do what you can, um, you are the beacon of light, you're the beacon of compassion. This is what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, as Lottie said, uh, it, rather than sort of uh, critiquing the non-vegan stuff, elevating the vegan stuff is mm. maybe a better idea and, and building that community. That's why community, building community is so, mm. so fundamentally uh, important uh, to progressing any kind of issue. And, and that social aspect comes out of it. I mean, I, I used to do uh, work for uh, Vegetarian Victoria, which was – it says vegetarian, but it's actually a vegan organisation. Um, and we would do dinners and, and, and events and stuff. we get hundreds of people. And that's how we got community. That's how we got activism, through people making friends and wanting to be around their friends as they did activism. Mm-hmm. It's that social aspect that pushes the activism forward. And that's huge because humans are social creatures. Um, we need to make friends and be – having you know be around our friends as we do the things that we feel are important so absolutely yeah, yeah. and i think in the, like listening to that freedom thing doing the m&ms which are, as far as i know none of them are vegan uh me and lottie my partner katie did a similar thing but with all vegan products as well so in kind of like focus on the what we want to see rather than exactly. <laughs> criticizing nearly everyone in the world who is yeah. currently consuming animals <laughs> that's going to get exhausting uh, yeah exactly so um yeah. yeah just a couple of quick plugs at the end so um we did get a press release from Wildlife Victoria, who have mentioned challenges facing wildlife on Phillip Island um, after increased reports of wildlife rescues were flagged by local volunteers. And this isn't specific to Phillip Island too, just anywhere. And they said, we understand accidents happen. All we ask is that when they do, you call Wildlife Victoria to report them um, and they operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week um, and they can give you a or send out a volunteer rescuer. You might save a life. So if you do encounter um, sick, injured or orphaned wildlife, again, not just on Phillip Island, but anywhere around Victoria, please call Wildlife Victoria on 03 eight four zero zero seven three zero zero one more time it is zero three eight four zero zero seven three zero zero the website is wildlifevictoria.org.au and i've um put that number in my car now so after getting that as well so it's good to have that handy in case anything happens they also mentioned that most wildlife incidents occur between dusk and dawn so it's not always possible but when i am in the country i do try and avoid driving at that time as well where possible too um and yeah meg we've got a duck shooting submission as well Yes, so the Victorian government is currently taking submissions uh, of your views on recreational duck shooting. Uh, So as far as I know, the 150 submissions that were released to the public uh, recently, unfortunately the the hunters, the shooters, have um, quite loaded those submissions. Uh, we know at the moment, I mean, the majority of people, there's definitely a majority of people here in Australia who are against duck shooting, so here in Victoria and Australia. Now, um, importantly, the submissions end tomorrow, so we're going to put the link up uh, when we put the podcast up on site, but also you can go to the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. They'll have it up on their website. Duck.org.au is the website, yeah. Oh, yep. Duck.org.au, yep. excellent. Yep. So go there yep. and that'll give you the link to the um, the, the Victorian government submission. Mm-hmm. The submissions don't have to be long. Uh, mine was a couple of paragraphs talking about um, the ecological impact and the fact that the you know the shooters can you know they can bring their twelve year old children and there can be alcohol involved etc. Um, as well as the, the the fact that it's an absolute fallacy that um, duck shooting is an effective measure to keep down duck populations because shooters blast swans out of the air, shooters blast endangered ducks out of the air etc. It is so extremely important for anyone, including you, listener, to make a submission, regardless of how long or how um, or small it is. Uh, you know, today uh, I think it ends tomorrow, perhaps at midnight, um, but don't quote me on that. Uh, make a submission because your voice will count towards getting rid of this absolutely awful um, sport in inverted commas. And we need every single submission. Every single submission counts. We'll put that link up on the website. 
Great. And you can also, if you're listening live, check out the Freedom Species Facebook page as well. And there's a link up there as well. Um, But we are out of time for today. Um, If you want to hear other shows about animals, there's a whole bunch of other podcasts available. We're part of the iRaw network. So if you go to iRawPod.com, you can find other shows about animals and animal advocacy. Also check out all the other shows on 3CR at 3cr.org.au. Tune in live via via 855am or via the website as well. If you have any feedback on the show, you can email us freedomofspecies at gmail.com and connect with us on social media stay tuned for rotations to hear some music and we're going to finish up with some music as well um, we're going to finish up with fire in the booth part one by a it's a freestyle rap it does contain um, some pretty heavy themes around violence and um, racism and and violent racism and and or racist violence and that kind of thing as well so heads up about that Uh, But yeah, that's all we have time for today. I feel like we could have probably easily done another hour, but that's always a good show to do. So thanks a lot for joining me, Lottie and Meg. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yo, yo, yo. Okay, yo. Yo, I like you. You're like a tiger. Yes, I grew up on a door in a single parent family. Been through a little bit of tragedy. Yes, I was around drugs and violence before the day that I started secondary. That's part of it, not half of it. Get the picture, the rest ain't necessary. Growing up, got a little caught up. That ain't even half of my life. Also, given the knowledge of self, that is all we actually need to survive. If you saw me, age nine, reading Malcolm, just fine. Teachers still treated me stupid. Students that couldn't speak English, they put me in groups with. The irony is, some of the first man to give me schooling, you were called gangsters. I already explained that we know what the truth is. They used to say, don't be like me Yeah I got a name and don't On the street Nighttime comes I can't sleep It's the part that rappers don't speak We don't hit the road Cause we're thugs Don't come out the room Wanna sell drugs If we got the right guidance And love Would we fight people Just like us How could I knock the hustle To get by How do you think I ate as a child Judge no one Done many things wrong Just don't boast about it In songs But listen to my older bars I was just as confused As you probably are But you grow when you learn Travel and cut One too many man You know get caught up One too many man That could have been doctors End up spending the whole life Boxed up You learn If you study So set out just to make them money, no cover, it's all about getting poor people to fight with one another, so it's not cool that us killing our brothers, dissing our mothers is right in line with the dominant philosophy of our time, but time is a cycle, not a line, comes back around, you regain your mind, you be ready for the energy, I challenge them a rhyme, remedy the pedigree, the jeopardy of your mind, when the world's this f- leverage is a crime, we can all fight with the brothers over crumbs, harder to fight the one who makes guns, we can all talk sh- get two dollars, harder to be the one who seeks knowledge, if we understood economics with no money's nothing, think nothing of it, money is a means to get wealth, not the wealth itself, and don't get confused far from Broke all that you see me do I own But I won't hang what I make around my neck I know from where that the diamonds came But I do literally own a library That definitely costs more than your chain And businesses and property Far from starving I eat quite properly And I don't care Just said it for the kids You need to know you're not broke to listen Don't know what asset from a liability They've never been shown or told the difference So they don't change situation Which is man in Britain is Asian That's significant Not coincidence Asian people build businesses Not by flossing Going out shopping Giving up the culture for everyone's profit Who runs Bollywood? Indian people Who runs artists? So we shake our ass and dance as if racism just upped and vanished. But has it? No, it's right on course. You're beating so bad, you're trained to ignore. Let me not just make sweeping statements. Give me a second, I'll explain it. For small amounts of drug possession, there's more black people in jail in America than net is for rape and armed robbery and murder all put together. You can say they're just locking up tugs. Imagine they're in prison every middle class kid that had ever held drugs. Oh, that's right, that'd be your kids Bigger than that, what is going on with this prison in America's private business To get paid 50k per year per inmate by the state Just wait, also legally are allowed to use their prison inmates as slaves Cheap slave labour, big corporations They come out of jail when they can't get a job So when we celebrate going to jail We are literally celebrating enslavement Add to that, that the hood that you live in Engineered social condition that breeds crime by design Where do you think you get your And you can say that they're just black But I like to deal with facts In the 1920s, you would have found in America Black towns, prosperous centers of economics to education to make you proud but some people couldn't bear that the former slaves would not just lie down to the kkk and other hate groups burn those towns to the ground killing hundreds if it ain't understood you think you were always living in the hood it's only been 60 years since the hung blacks and burnham and that was so cool they were your baskets picnic baskets even gave kids the day off school go see a lynching have a picnic it's fun to watch the little monkeys die and people act a little dysfunctional you want to pretend that you don't know why if your color means you can be killed and you're powerless to get justice about it is it difficult to figure out how you would then end up feeling about it and that ain't excuses just dealing with the roots of abuses that make a reality where a generation of young men speak of ourselves as dirt casually that's america 
America, this Britain, something similar, some different. In this country, the first enslaved were the working class. What's changed? Worst jobs, worst conditions. Most tax, look where you live and yet you go to the pub. Friday night, you will fight with a guy, don't know what for, won't fight with a guy. Shooting a tight who send your kids to die in a war. They don't send the kids to the rich of the politicians, it's your kids. The poor British, but they send to go and die in a foreign land. For these wars that you don't understand. Yeah, they say you are British, and that lovely patriotism they feed you. But in reality, you have more in common with immigrants than with your leaders, I know. Both sides of my family, black and white, are fed ghetto mentality. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast, produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.